Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief for Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is Senior Staff Writer Ryan Whitfield. So we've got a number of things to discuss with you today. We're going to discuss winners and losers from Week 3 of the NFL, as well as talking about the most surprising games in Week 3 of the NFL and our thoughts on daily fantasy football plays for Week 4. But before we get started, there's something that we want to just briefly address, and this means, and I mean really briefly, because we've all been inundated a lot about this Trump versus NFL thing. Uh, you know, and a lot of stuff has happened over the last week with the players. And one of the most notable things was Alejandro Villanueva uh, standing alone during the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Uh, of course, he came out la- later and apologized. He said, actually, the plan was for all of them to do what they wanted to do in the tunnel and not be in the limelight. And actually said that he doesn't take offense if anybody takes a knee because that's actually why the veterans went there. And his that quote was, I don't think veterans at the end of the day take any offense. They actually signed up and fought so that somebody could take a knee and protest peacefully whatever it is in their heart's desire. So that was his message. Ben Roethlisberger came out the next day, though, and said that he regretted actually staying in the uh, tunnel. And Marquise County has come out and said that the Steelers 100% will be standing when they come out with the Baltimore against Baltimore next week in week four. So there's a lot to unpack there, but... Ryan, what's your one-minute uh, reaction to all this hubbub that's been going around? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I take a pretty strong stance on it. Um, you know, I think what Villanueva did was, was perfectly acceptable, as well as I think that everyone taking a knee is acceptable. Um, you know, I've not done any official – I'm not Gallup poll, obviously, but so I haven't done any official polls. But um, the few people I've talked to that, that I know that have served during Iraq and Afghanistan – um, you know, told me that they personally don't feel that this is disrespecting their service or disrespecting the military. Um, they take it not as a disrespect to the flag either, that it's more of a protest of the anthem, what's going on in the country. Um, and, and some of them vehemently disagree and don't believe in what, uh, what the, the protests are for, and they don't believe that there's any you know, facts to back it up, but they don't think that. So I think, you know, I thought all along, I think this is a deflection tactic instead of addressing um, issues or concerns of half the country and actually talking about what they want to talk about. Um, it, it's a deflection tactic of saying, well, you're disrespecting the flag so that we don't have to talk about the real issues. So um, after what Trump said last Friday, I tweeted it out. I know you saw it. Uh, I think you actually went and, uh, liked it when I posted it. But uh, you know, I said, I hope the whole, I hope the whole damn league takes a knee tomorrow. Um, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm not, you know, what I, what I agree with, whether or not that what they're fighting for is right. At the end of the day, this is the U.S. and the Constitution protects the freedom, uh, you know, our freedoms, and one of those is freedom to peacefully protest. And there's, there's, you could not be more peaceful than the protest they've been doing. So good for the players. You know, hopefully we get back to football now. But um, you know, I thought, I thought this weekend was pretty amazing. Yep, it was a, very, it was definitely an interesting turn of events. I did not expect to have to think about that going into this football weekend. And of course, the first game that occurred after all the tweeting went about was on Sunday morning in London. So that was actually even more interesting. And everybody kind of waited at 930 in the morning to see how the players would react to that. But with that said, let's move on to all the football news out there because we got a lot to cover today. So let's get started. 
Okay, first thing we want to do is cover the winners from week three of the NFL. There are plenty of them, so uh, why don't you get us started, Ryan? Tell us one of your winners from week three of the NFL. Yeah, my first winner, uh, you know, my three of my fantasy teams are very thankful that T.Y. Hilton finally woke up. So, um, obviously, obviously, aided, especially in two of my leagues, the big touchdown, uh, you know, the 40-yard play bonus, the big touchdown there was huge. Um, but, you know, I, I've, been, I've been pretty surprised how bad he's been. I, I understand it's not Andrew Luck out there, but Jacoby Brissett is not known for having uh, a lot of touch on his pass. He's got a cannon of an arm, which should play right into T.Y.'s strength of, of taking the top off the defense. So um, it seems like it's taken a couple weeks to figure it out, but I, I, I honestly have to believe that this isn't a one-week-off thing, that they'll continue to develop that deep ball chemistry because I think it plays to both of their strengths. So, um, you know, hopefully hopefully that continues to develop, you know, especially for my best interest. So I think T.Y. Yeah, had, had a great week finally. <laughs> and, of course, Andrew Luck, uh, there's been rumors that he is looking at week six or week seven, but week six was the original rumor uh, coming back to the field. He is back at practice, so who knows? Maybe T.Y. Hilton will get back on track with Andrew Luck in a couple weeks as well. So my first winner of the week is going to be Todd Gurley, and he's been winning all season long, so this is not actually a new thing. But, you know, I I had my doubts about Todd Gurley coming into the season. I had uh, thoughts of the fact that he was so good in that first year, he couldn't have been that bad that we uh, from his second year. And he's actually proven that that is correct. This is his third straight week of over 90 total yards, at least a touchdown on at least 16 carries and at least three receptions. Those are great numbers. And that's just the, that's just the floor that is exhibited. And he really blew the doors open in week three of 113 total yards on 28 whopping carries, two touchdowns, five of seven or 36 receiving yards and another touchdown. So he's definitely doing really well. That Rams offense, when it's clicking, it's clicking. And that all is, in my opinion, based on Jared Goff being a decent game manager. And so far, we've seen that's possible. All right, let's turn you over to the uh, the next winner. Who else do you got there, Ryan? Yeah, so number two, I'm going to keep it local here and go Brandon Cooks. Obviously, um, seems like he finally got on the page of Brady. Uh, a big, huge 40-yard catch in the beginning of the game. Uh, on a beautiful over the you know beautiful drop in the bucket by Brady, um, it was a contested catch and it was a Willie Mays type catch right over his shoulder. It was an unbelievable play by I thought by Brandon Cooks. And uh, had he not had the big touchdown at the end of the game, that that play might be more celebrated. But uh, and then you know obviously there's the, the play at the end of the game, right? And and the two touchdown performance, um, the catch at the end of the game is brilliant. My favorite part of it is is um, you know in, in a league that sometimes still is rampant with selfishness and guys getting up and just want to point at the back of their jersey and show off their name and be excited about that. You know, Coach's first reaction was to look at the refs and to make sure it was a call. And, you know, it seemed like he was more concerned about the win than, uh, you know, celebrating his own great play there. So, I, uh, you know, I love seeing that from him. Um, and that was, I thought, obviously a huge play for the Patriots this week. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is exactly why the Patriots got Brandon Cooks and exactly what they wanted to get out of him. So it's nice to see him get on track uh, this week three. Then my second guy is Larry Fitzgerald. Now, I, you know, first of all, I think he's a class act. He's one of the best receivers in the, uh, in the league. Uh, he actually came through in a big way, although not enough for the Cardinals to beat the, uh, the, uh, those, those Cowboys. But he did come up with 13 of 15 targets for 149 yards and a touchdown. He really looked great. Uh, he had terrific routes. Um, and he's, like I said, I think he's a class act uh, when he got – he got hit down. He got taken down over the middle several times. He always helped the guy up. I mean, you don't see that very often in NFL, so I'd like to see that type of sportsmanship. 
I think he's a, he had a really great day, and, and he deserved to have a big week. It's too bad, though, that the Cardinals don't look like they're going to go anywhere, and it's also too bad that the Cowboys look like they are. So, anyway, give us your third winner this week. Yeah, I'm going Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, obviously, two uh, electrifying touchdown catches. Um, but more importantly for, for Odell and for the Giants, not that it really matters for that team because their season's over, but uh, more importantly for, for Odell is that, that the cuts were stronger this week. You know, he was out there last week uh, making his return, but this, uh, but he, he was definitely ginger, especially on the end cuts on the, on the bad leg. And, and this week he was able to plant and get more separation on his initial early routes. His agility seemed to come back and uh, obviously making two spectacular catches. So nice to see you finally in OBJ. Exciting, uh, especially for fantasy owners, because again, this has zero impact on that franchise because Eli Manning <laughs> is cooked and that team is done. McAdoo and Eli will not be there next year, is my big prediction on them. Well, Giants have to start off slow to get hot. They never are good when they start off hot, so who knows? Maybe they'll turn things around, but they're going to have to correct that backfield, that awful, awful backfield they got right now. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon so I but I do agree I'd like to see OBJ get back on track after taking that injury in the preseason all right let's turn to my third winner of the week and that is uh Stephon Diggs you know I mean like in week one of Sam Bradford he was seven receptions for 93 yards two touchdowns exactly what we thought he would be taking off but then in week two Sam Bradford out Case Keenum took over and he was two for 27 yards and we thought well there goes the Minnesota offense but it all turned around where Chase Keenum suddenly got good. I don't know how that happened, but he was 8 of 11 targets for 173 yards, two touchdowns in week three. Great to see the connection of Chase Keenum. Uh, if he can do that with Chase Keenum, then I have no doubt he will be solid for the rest of the year. It's good to see Stephon Diggs get it back on track for the Minnesota Vikings. And it also helps your favorite running back, Delvin Cook, because when, he, when Stephon Diggs is open, Delvin Cook finds a lot of running room as well. Okay, let's turn to the other side of the equation. Let's turn to the losers of the week from week three. Go ahead, Ryan. Tell us your first loser of the week. Yeah, so this one's more of a fantasy perspective because I don't really blame him fully. But Jaquiz Rogers had about four weeks of viability this season, um, or three, I guess. You know, obviously the first week was a rain out. But three weeks of viability with, uh, with Doug Martin out, and they got so far behind in this game so early. He uh, – he barely saw the ball after that. Um, surprised they didn't use him in the passing game a little bit more. But, yeah. um, you know, he had, uh, I think, 12 total yards uh, on Sunday. So, uh, Jaquiz Rogers, you know, he had three games to make him count. And uh, in game number two, he didn't he didn't get to, which, you know, more of a product of his situation. And for somebody like me who drafted him in almost every single league, the handcuff Doug Martin, who I also drafted in every single league, uh, that was frustrating. Uh, a nice 1.2 point performance for him this weekend. Yeah, that was rough. I expected much better out of Jaquiz Rogers this last week, and I expected him to be more involved in the passing game, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, my first loser of the week is Derek Carr. What a huge gut punch. After two breakout weeks reminding us of how good he could be and how good that Oakland offense could be and how good he and Michael Crabtree could be, he goes into week three against the Washington Redskins and puts up a career-low 118 passing yards and a touchdown of two INTs. Actually only has one connection to Crabtree for, I believe, six yards. What a disaster that all was. Now, the Redskins didn't even blitz much, so he wasn't even under a lot of pressure. He was actually only blitzed on 12% of drop back, which is the lowest rate that Carr has ever faced in his career, and yet he just couldn't get it started. And now he's going to go to Denver. And uh, we know what the Denver defense can do. 
so I'm not hopeful that Derek is going to turn it around this week, but um, I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league and should be able to turn it around later on in the season. The Oakland Raiders are too talented not to be able to do that. All right, give us your second uh, loser of the week here, Ryan. So I'm going to combine, uh, just do a, a 2A and a 2B here, and I'm going to stick on the same game you did. And I have plenty more on that game in the next segment. But uh, first, Jordan Reed. Um, I'm just going to talk, touch on him real quick. This man cannot stay healthy. You know, for all the injury concerns everyone talks about Rob Gronkowski, uh, at least when Gronk's out there, um, you know, he's the best in the game, and he still puts up numbers that some guys don't put up in a whole season in the eight, nine games he plays a year. Jordan Reed plays like five games a year, and he's a bum, and, all, you know, and he has like one good game in those five, and everyone falls in love with him. So, Jordan Reed, I am done with you. Um, but Amari <laughs> Cooper, sticking with this game, was my big, my big one on number two. Um, mm. What an embarrassment. And, and he's had a, a couple back-to-back, you know, duds here. Um, obviously, I mean, the, the Jets game, that was, that was Crabtree's game, right? So, um, yep. you know, this, was, this has been, you know, the drops are back, and drops kill a guy in the NFL. Ask Brandon LaFell. Ask our boy there, Will Fuller. I mean, you just – you can't survive in the NFL if you can't hold on to the ball. It's the basic, the basic role, you know, of the, before beating coverage, before making plays, the first thing you have to do is be able to catch and secure the ball – um, he didn't do it in his rookie year. He did it much better and had a great breakout season last year. And this year he's dropping it again. So it's been it's been extremely frustrating. There was a couple times that Oakland could have jump-started that offense uh, back on Sunday night. And uh, it seemed like every every opportune time they had to, uh, Cooper came up with a, with a, with a key drop there. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very frustrated with Cooper. I own a lot of stock in him in fantasy this year. He needs to pull his head out of his proverbial ass, please. <laughs> okay, I can agree with all a lot of that. Let me give you my last guy and that uh, last loser of the week. That's Isaiah Crowell. I mean, what a mess that was. All this talk about an improved Browns offensive line, all the hype in the preseason about Crowell running behind that line as the one, two, maybe even full-time back. And the results so far, let's take a look. Week one, 17 carries for 33 yards against the Steelers. Week two, 10 carries for 37 yards against the Ravens. And most embarrassingly, in week three, 12 carries for 44 yards against the Indianapolis Colts. Plus, Duke Johnson is starting to eat away at his target share. He's been more effective as a pass-catching back and has even taken carries away. Isaiah Crowell, you are Pittsville right now. It is not looking good for him. An honorable mention goes to Hunter Henry. Zero targets in week one. Eight of eight for 80 yards in week two. Zero targets in week three. What is going on, Chargers? What's going on over there, Phillip Rivers? You're behind the whole time, and you got Hunter Henry, and you don't target him? What a mess that is. So, Hunter Henry, honorable mention for loser of the week as well. All right, let's move on to the next segment of the show. I'm going to ring the bell on that. Let's talk about some of the surprising wins and losses, uh, best wins and losses of the week. So, why don't you go ahead and get us started? What was the game that surprised you most uh, in week three? First one has to be Washington-Oakland. Um you know, it's it's the. I think there's some more you know polarity in the league finally or parity in the league, which is which is nice to see. But the big issue I have with teams is you can't you can't melt away in a big situation, and that's that's what Oakland did, and that's the team I think Washington is. Washington's that team that they'll win some games and they'll win like a big one o'clock game against a you know a hard fought opponent, but you put them in prime time and they'll melt. That's been the Bengals for the last six seven years, right? They yep. can't they can't right. win in prime time. They can't win the big game. I thought Oakland was different, and you know I must have I must have forgot that that boob Jack Del Rio was their coach because God does he suck, and you know he sucks 
because his team came out there and was not ready for that moment, not ready for that game. Uh, you know, they, they come out, they run on first down with Marshawn Lynch, gets stuffed, and then Derek Carr throws an interception. They come out on the second drive, they run on first down, and then they get sacked on second and third down. They come out on the third series and wait for it. What do they do on first down? They run. You know how I know that? Because it was so predictable. This isn't 1994. You don't have to run on every first down. I don't care who your running back is. They do that, and then Carr throws another pick. I mean, through the first three series, he'd been sacked twice, had no completions, and two interceptions, and they'd run the ball three times for like seven yards. What a joke. What an absolute joke Oakland is. That team is not legit. That team is not ready for the prime time. And as much as I'm high on Kansas City right now because what they came in here and did to New England week one, that's a big spot. That's a team that performed and showed up. Oakland is not that team. They're not ready for the spotlight, and they will not make it out of their first playoff game this season. They are still a year or two away and maybe a head coach away because that is a bad spot to show up like that. It's one thing to get beat. It's another thing to not even show up, and they did not show up to that game. That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing wow. Sunday night, and that was a waste of my time. And even worse, it was in two leagues, I was down by like 20-something points with Derek Carr to go, and I lost both games because he didn't show up. And one of the leagues had Amari Cooper, too. So, so forget <laughs> both of them. Right. God, right. Am I, God am I mad at Oakland right now. I'm, I'm angry, too, because of the fantasy, but I haven't given up on Oakland yet. I still think there's some hope, but uh, I agree. This was a big step backwards for them. Uh, I'm going to bring up my big uh, big loss win of the week, and that was the game in London, Jaguars v. Ravens. Jaguars decimate the Ravens 44-7. to What in the world happened to the Ravens? Where did they go? Where did the offense and the defense go? And don't let the score fool you. That seven doesn't even count. The Ravens' only points came in garbage time with Ryan Mouth to Ben Watson. So clearly not even part of the game. At that point, the Jaguars were playing probably their cheerleaders. I don't think anybody else was on the field that actually mattered. Jaguars totally dominated. Bortles looked solid, which is shocking. Mercedes Lewis caught three touchdowns. I thought the world was going to end. This is unbelievable. I don't know. What do you think about this? Was it was it the Jags' defense, or was it Flacco and the offense of the Ravens that caused this totally seismic shift in the game that I thought was going to be a lot closer? Well, first and foremost, you said at the end of the game the Jaguars had their cheerleading squad out on the field, which is nice for Jacksonville because not a single man on the 53 roster from Baltimore even got on the plane stateside to show up in London. So (laughs) at least they they had their team and their cheerleaders over there in Jacksonville. Um, Baltimore, I mean, I I don't want to overreact to one win too much, but, I mean, I think we all have been impressed with the way Baltimore is. And I think Baltimore's maybe a little bit of fool's gold through the first two weeks. But um, I think that defense is legit. And I think we all think the Texans, you know, despite their one and two record, are a good football team that should make the playoffs. So maybe Jacksonville's a little better than we're giving credit for. I think we've all been so fooled on Jacksonville for so many years, thinking that they finally had arrived, and uh, to see them to, to not arrive, that maybe we're we're hesitant to jump in this time when we see a little bit of luck. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, now twice this year they've had a winning record, which they haven't had in like five or six seasons. So, um, right, you know, Jacksonville. I think that defense is legit, and you know, um, I saw. I saw a tweet earlier. I'm going to forget who it was from now. Uh, Pete Prisco. There we go. Pete Prisco from CBS tweeted out that, you know, Jalen Ramsey is already absolutely the top five corner, and he might be in discussion for the number one corner by the end of the football season. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is a bad man. He is, he is the best corner to come out in years. I would take him over Marcus Peters. I think, I think he is a flawless player, and I think, you know, coverage sets a defense, and if you get a guy like that, I think you can build around it. They obviously have a great linebacking core. They fixed, you know, their defensive line. 
uh, through acquisitions the last couple of years, and obviously getting Fowler back, you know, and the or Dante Fowler, sorry, in the you know from injury, and um, so I think they've done a great job drafting and building. I, the, the big X factor is still the quarterback position. Um, yeah. Blake Bortles is a little bit of hide and seek, and you know he he showed up this week again, and other weeks he doesn't. So. Um, yep. You know, we'll see what they look like long term. But if Fournette's going and that defense is legit, you know, Blake Bortles is good enough at times to to be a viable, you know, potential playoff team. Yep. And uh, what's your second uh, what's the second game you were surprised at this week? Yeah, so I'll touch on this one quickly. It was the Pats versus Houston, and uh, not because um, you know Houston pushed the line because we we had our show with Joe Murray last week, and we all yeah. said that that line was ridiculous. For that situation, right. the Pats defense is still playing super conservative. They haven't figured it out yet. They're obviously not good at linebacker if they don't have Dante Hightower. Just, I wasn't surprised about that. Um, the one line I think that sums it up was Malcolm Butler was asked after the game. They said, you know, obviously the, the big questions for everybody were, hey, you know, you, you must be confident in that situation knowing you have Tom Brady. And they asked Malcolm Butler, and I thought this was the perfect response because exactly how I felt watching that game on Sunday. He said, mm-hmm. obviously I was here last year. Obviously I was here two years ago for the Super Bowl. I'm paraphrasing, but. You know, obviously I know Tom can do it, and I've seen it enough. But I was sitting there thinking, I mean, he can't do it every time, can he? And then he goes and does that. And then, you know, <laughs> I think that's the perfect analogy of, like, it's not – when I'm watching that game, you know, my, my uh, you know, I'm sitting here and my, my mind's going crazy and I'm sitting and thinking, you know, yeah, he can do this. And, yeah, he should. He's played a great – he's played a pretty good game today. But every, he's not – no one does it every single time. And, you know, I think sometimes Patriot fans, especially the honks and the homers, get that, you know, that mind state. And I, and I don't have that in my mind that, you know, he's always going to do it. So I, and I'm pretty negative during games. So, um, you know, I really thought there was no chance. And they overcame a third and 12, a second and 20 on that drive. You know, a huge odds. They had a lot of crazy plays. And, uh, you know, the, the touchdown pass to Dim is about as good as you can throw a football. So, um, right. pretty unbelievable game. And I had zero faith going into that last drive that they would win it. And, and they did. Well, I, so, have yeah, I give a lot of credit to the Houston Texans, too. I think they played a great, played a great game against a solid uh, Patriots team. So, that was good to see a little bit of parity in the NFL for once. I think that was kind of nice to see that. Uh, let me uh, quickly mention the last two guys on my list. And that's Bills versus Broncos. Bills beat the Broncos 26-16 after buying all the hype. And Trevor Simeon, he totally spluttered against the Bills. And, of course, LaShawn McCoy wasn't even part of the win. He was basically on the back of Tyrod Taylor. And I guess the Bills defense, what a shock that was. And, of course, honorable mention, Rams 49ers, probably one of the most entertaining Thursday night games ever, 41-39 Rams. And the highest scoring Thursday night game ever made everybody look good. Gurley, Sammy Watkins, Jared Goff even. Carlos Hyde, Brian Hoyer, even after an early INT, turned it around. And with the help of Pierre Garçon going off for 147-plus yards, amazing, amazing showdown. That was a fun time. All right, give us your last one. Um, I actually didn't have a third one, so I'll just comment no, on, good. on oh, fantastic. what about Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo, Denver quickly. Um, that might have been a surprise to most of you, but if you go back and read my 12-man-on-the-field column last week, I called that one. Buffalo, uh, Denver coming off two big wins against two good opponents. This is the ultimate sleeper game, traveling two hours back across the country. And mark my words, Trevor Simeon looks good this year, but he will be his home and road splits will be drastically different this year. I just don't think he's good enough to be, uh, you know, a, a successful road quarterback on the season. So get get ready, get ready for a lot of you know questionable losses on the road for Denver this year. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll see how it goes when we get into the next week of football. Ringing the bell on that segment. Let's get to our last segment. It's our 
some of our tips and tricks and plays for daily fantasy football, a little bit of DS, DFS insight from us here. So uh, we're going to uh, give you a couple of plays that we like. Brian, when would you get us started? Who do you like this week in DFS? Yeah, so I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show yet, but I'm a big Chris Carson fan. Um, and Chris Carson is still going <laughs> yeah. for $5,400. This is unbelievable to me. He's consistently putting up double-digit points, and he's, he's been a couple big plays away from a breakout, from a real breakout week. And, you know, if you're getting him at $5,400, it frees you up to do a lot of other stuff. Um, ProSize, I think I saw a tweet from our friends over at NFL Talking Heads earlier that ProSize has been ruled out already for this week. And if that is the case, Carson's workload is only going to go up more. Um, Chris Carson, $5,400 can't beat it. All right. Uh, so I, I can tell you this. I'm, I got a whole game I want to talk about. So why don't you give us your other picks, and I'm going to talk about this game I like. Okay, perfect. My next pick, uh, my second of three, was uh, another guy I don't know if you guys know I like, but it's, his name's Dalvin Cook. He's the running back <laughs> up in Minnesota. He's going for no 6500 uh, Fournette has been reliable, like I said he would, but he's kind of a one-trick pony. Christian McCaffrey's not been great, which I said he wouldn't be. And Dalvin Cook has been the most explosive and best rookie running back. As I said he would be, well, I guess second best because you got to get Kareem Hunt. But of the yep. three that everyone was talking about, because no one was talking about Kareem Hunt uh, going into the season like that. They are talking about maybe fantasy sleeper-wise, but not as a guy that big. But 6500 right. points, or $6,500 for him, I mean. And, uh, you know, he's double-digit guarantee. His workload just keeps increasing week by week. That is his backfield, and you can't beat it. And then the other one, this is just kind of another a value play, $6,000, Chris Hogan um, from the mm-hmm. Patriots, obviously. This man, he had, he had a bad week one, but the next two weeks he's been 20 points and above. Um, he's Brady's second-favorite D target. He averaged 17 yards per catch last season. He's only building on that this year. A couple of big plays again on Sunday. You know, even if he only gets you two catches, He's mostly going to get you about 60 yards on those two catches and probably a touchdown in there. So right, you know, right. he's good for easily you're probably another you know 15 point day and at six thousand dollars at the receiver position, um, obviously a great value there. So those those are my three this week. So I, I'm going to focus in on one game in particular and that is the Saints and the Dolphins. And I know it's a 9:30 a.m. game on Sunday, so you have to get onto some special uh, tournaments or special games in order to play that in DFS, which is fine. I, you can get into Thursday the Monday lineups. I know DraftKings and FanDuel also has a uh, Sunday lineup that starts at 9.30 a.m. If you can get in on this, get in on this. The New Orleans Saints are the 31st ranked defense in the NFL uh, with respect to uh, respect to their defense uh, just generally. And they're actually 30, they're actually last in the NFL according to DAVE, which projects how their defense will play for the rest of the season. So they are terrible on defense is the bottom line. They're also third to last defending against wide receiver one, fifth to last defending against running back reception, and sixth to last defending against tight ends. They go to the other side, Miami Dolphins, perhaps even worse. They're 28th ranked defense overall, but they're dead last against the pass. That translates to being last against wide receiver twos, fifth to last against wide receiver ones, and third to last against running back receptions. This is also the highest over-under of the week. I think there is going to be a lot of points scored in this. Uh, I could be wrong because London games are a little wonky at times, but the way I see it, I would play Drew Brees. Uh, DraftKings has them at 7,200. I play Michael Thomas. DraftKings has them at 7,300 in cash games. I would also consider on the same side Alvin Kamara at 3,900, Ted Ginn at 3,900, and Willie Sneed at 5,000 in tournaments, although I prefer Ted Ginn over Willie Sneed, particularly after the comments about what his what Sneed's role might or might not be this week. Also, on the Dolphin side, I like Jay Ajayi at 7,400, Jarvis Landry 6,500, Devontae Parker at 6,700 in cash games. I also like Julius Thomas 
as kind of a dart throw in tournaments at tight end, 2,900, really cheap. And Jay Cutler at 5,800 for tournaments as well. Yeah. Want to take a chance? Why not take a chance at Jay against the worst pass defense in the NFL? That's all I got to say. <laughs> so what do you think about any of that? He's a He's just such a dice roll. I mean, I love, I love that game and I love that matchup. But every time Jay Cutler, for his entire career, it's when you count him out that he comes out and plays well, and then it's the the other eighty percent of the time that you try to buy in on him that he that he goes out there and lays a turd. So you know, I I was high on him week one, and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe he could be a viable fantasy option given given the weapons they have there. And then he goes out and gets his ass kicked by by the New York Jets. So I yeah, don't know. Yeah. I, I have a hard time with him. But Devontae Parker, I love I love that play this weekend. I love all the all the skill guys there, and um, you know Al- Alvin Kamara is in that same class with Chris Carson. I just don't think there's enough love for those two and what they've done this year, and they're really under the radar right now. Yep, and then like I said, Jay Cutler. If you have a strong stomach, some tums, and are playing a deep tournament, don't play him <laughs> in cash games, guys. I don't want any tweets talking about me telling you to play Jay Cutler in cash games. Uh, that's that's not me. All right, that's the end of our segment. Ringing the bell for this week's uh, podcast. I believe we have another one tomorrow night. We're going to be talking about more of week four. So tune in then. Until then, Ryan, give us uh, your Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you. Instagram is football underscore garbage underscore time. Twitter's at Ryan Whitfield NE. And shout out to my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. And don't forget to follow us as we have our picks coming up shortly. I'll help you with your NFL picks. I have my daily fantasy suggestions coming up on the site as well. So check both of those out at footballgarbagetime.com. You can follow me at FBGarbageTime on Twitter. And until tomorrow, where we talk about week four, enjoy your NFL week. Hey, you know who's in first in the picks so far, right? <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't been checking the standings. Uh, well, go, go check the standings. I took it over. Let's go. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.